The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode number 56, or you're watching episode number 56 on YouTube. We're live on YouTube right now. So if you want to get down with the unedited version of the podcast, you can get over to YouTube, search for MMA on the Rocks, subscribe there, and they'll send you a notification every time we do this thing live, and you can catch it uh, off the cuff, as we like to say. All right, lots of MMA action coming up, lots of MMA action in the past, and lots of MMA action that was missed on the podcast by my estranged co-host, Jeff the Animal Wilson, who is back from uh, about a two-and-a-half-episode layoff. Uh, It is Tuesday, July the 4th. Jeff, how are you doing on this fine birthday of our great nation, my friend? Bill, I am awesome, dude, and I've said it multiple times. We live in the greatest country in the world, man, and in 1776, Bill, we told England, go fuck yourself. We don't have a king. We have elected leaders in this country. Um, Anyway. uh, (laughs) Let's not go there. (laughs) But, yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, screw England. So, um, (laughs) um, anyway, uh, so, yeah, I've been MIA. I got some family in town. My grandparents are visiting. Uh, it's my grandpa's first time in the United States, actually. Uh, his awesome. visa, yeah, his visa just went through. So we've been taking him to New York. Showed him the Freedom Tower. Uh, showed him the 9/11 memorial. So uh, it's it's given me a a more better, which more better is terrible grammar, and I apologize. But it's given me a better appreciation for for how close I live to the city and, you know, all this beautiful stuff I have around me. Uh, Because, you know, I live here, so it's like I can go there whenever I want. So I kind of take it for granted, but showing my grandpa around, it's given me a different appreciation. So, you know, like I said, we live in the greatest country in the world. So happy birthday, America. (laughs) Yeah, I remember... Uh, when I was living in New York and living right outside of New York, kind of taking that stuff for granted. And when people come to visit, that's when you kind of realize, you know, all the amazing things and all the amazing history you have right at your fingertips there. Uh, so happy 4th of July to everybody. Hope everybody's out there enjoying it. Of course, uh, we're we're very grateful for the brave men and women uh, around the world right now that are protecting the freedoms that we so enjoy in this country, such as talking about alcohol and mixed martial arts on the internet. Uh, <laughs> one of the, the many great liberties that we enjoy. So thanks for everybody out there who's who's working hard to, to protect them. We definitely appreciate it. And for everybody else who's listening to the podcast today, I hope everybody is having the chance to get outside, get some sunshine, uh, have some barbecues, have some beers, and do everything that uh, you know you feel like doing today. And Jeff, I know 
you may not be able to get out to the beaches in New Jersey because there's a, a little bit of little bit of chaos going on with the government. What's going on with the with Governor Chris Crispy up there? <laughs> I love it, Chris Crispy. That was a good one. But um, yeah, so the legislature of New Jersey and Chris Christie could not come to an agreement on New Jersey's budget. <clears throat> So the government is shut down, um, but it's all good, Bill, because in about a week from today, I'm going on vacation. So yeah. I, don't, I don't need Jersey beaches. I'll find my own beach. Well, apparently, Governor Krispy uh, Kreme does need <laughs> beaches. I, I was seeing it on the news down here in Florida. He shut down the beaches because they couldn't reach an agreement, and then he's out there sitting his fat ass in a beach chair on the beach <laughs> with nobody else there. He like shut down the beaches 4th of July weekend and he's out there enjoying it himself and he doesn't give a fuck either. Yeah. Like yeah. he's just no, that guy has no shame. He's out there with like rocking his fucking camel toe and it's just <laughs> like, oh man, you know how I hate getting into politics on this show jeff yeah. but this is this is beyond politics this is just like uh shitty human behavior you know yeah yeah you said it dude and uh yeah man so he owns a house on uh, one of the jersey beaches and uh there's pictures of him and his family being out there um and i actually found on facebook this video of him calling into like a news program and basically saying oh you know it's not like i he's saying you know it's not like i lied to anybody i was exactly where i said i was going to be on the beach it's like fuck you dude like ugh, i want to just yeah. apologize on behalf of new jersey not everybody yeah. is like that most people are but not everybody <laughs> yeah it's a it's a bad look for new jersey they don't have the they don't have the best reputation as it is, but oh well. So, Jeff, you uh, you missed the last couple of weeks, and you know we talked about a lot of things. There was a lot going on, so I did the the Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather episode with Blake Stevenson from Loaded Joe's MMA podcast. If you guys missed that one, basically what I did was an entire episode uh, devoted to the Conor and Floyd boxing match because I know some people are sick of hearing about it. So I gave you the chance to skip over that one if you so choose. But if you want to hear my perspective on it, you go back and listen to that one. And then last week, what we had was Bellator going on. We had people shit in their pants. We had referee controversy, pretty much you name it. We had awesome fights. Anything that could happen in MMA happened in the last week. So uh, out of those topics, Jeff, or, and anything else you want to touch on? Because I know the the, the uh, listeners have been clamoring for more uh, Animal Wilson. Uh, is there anything you want to kind of glaze over before we get into some new stuff here? Yeah, dude. Just to recap, um, I loved the episode that you did with Blake on uh, Money Mayweather and Conor McGregor. I thought that uh, it was really insightful, first of all. And second, it was really interesting to see um, that, you know, Conor McGregor is not just fighting Floyd Mayweather. He's basically fighting the boxing commission. He's fighting Las Vegas. And, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, he, there's a reason that Floyd Mayweather fights in Vegas and, you know, he, he's basically got all of boxing behind him on this. So it's, it was interesting to listen to both the, um, 
psychological aspect as well as the marketing aspect of this fight. So go back and give that one a listen if you haven't already. Uh, that was episode 54, I want to say. That's right, the Floydian slip. <laughs> yeah, love love the pun, by the way. Um, Thanks. Yeah, yeah and, it's interesting like at how boxing is such an institution, and obviously there's a lot of corruption involved in it, and I think uh, people who aren't avid boxing fans, if you're more of an MMA fan, you don't realize, if you think there's corruption in the UFC with like bad judging and, and things like that, um, you know, try being a boxing fan for a little while and see how you feel. And I think evidence of that was uh, the Manny Pacquiao fight last weekend. He fought some dude. I, I didn't even know he was fighting until like the morning of the fight. And apparently Manny Pacquiao won the fight and lost the decision. But that's what happens when when boxing doesn't back you anymore and they want to discredit you. Then they kind of they're able to manipulate and pull puppet strings and and things like that. So yeah, it's not just Connor versus Floyd. It's it's Connor and the MMA community versus the institution of boxing. And uh, you know that's that's a, a metaphorical David versus Goliath in itself. But uh, yeah. So a, any uh, MMA stuff from the past couple of weeks you want to touch on, Jeff? Yeah, um, last week's episode, I thought you did an awesome job flying solo. It was, it was fun. It was entertaining. Um, I was sitting there thinking, does he really think I'm trying to go on to another podcast? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, last we got to throw throw some controversy out there, Jeff. We got to <laughs> yeah, we gotta have some conflict. Yeah, dude. But um, yeah, speaking of conflict, last week was all over the place in terms of MMA. Uh, Bellator putting on their first pay-per-view. I loved it. I thought it was a good card. The double KO of Fedor Milinenko and Matt Mitrione was awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, we had Team America versus Team Brazil, essentially. A lot of people didn't like how Chael Sonnen won, but I loved it, man. He, gr he grinded it out or ground it out. And, you know, it's not his fault that no one ever taught uh, Silva how to sprawl. You know, that's on Silva yeah, I mean, training camp. I, yeah, I mean, the guy's been fighting for 60 years. You would think he would learn some takedown defense. He still comes in, which is also what is so exciting about Vanderlei. He still comes in with the same mentality of, like, I want to knock you out, uh, and I'm going to come swinging eight limbs at you at the same time. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, you and I are both fans of, of high-level wrestling and grappling so definitely impressive strategy by by Chael Sonnen and you know I don't know why people keep talking about this black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu that Vanderlei Silva has had since the 80s uh <laughs> because uh I think I think you may have to retest for your black belt at a certain point because he still has the very old school like I'm gonna use submissions off my back that don't actually work anymore they're not they're not effective. Um, and, you know, certain guys have evolved in their jiu-jitsu, especially jiu-jitsu specific for MMA uh, mm -hmm. in the last even four or five years. And some guys haven't. So, you know, that black belt is kind of a gray area term. But uh, go on. Let's let's get some more of your uh, input on the last uh, week or so. Yeah, and uh, this is probably the last thing is um, Justine Kish shitting herself in the octagon and listen yeah, a lot of people are going to give her shit for this pun totally <laughs> intended but here's the thing birds when they fly away they shit 
to become lighter so they can fly faster. So it's like, same deal, man. Listen, she was stuck in a really tight body lock as well as a rear naked choke. The only way she was going to get out of that was to make her stomach smaller. And how do you compress your stomach? You know, you shit. Yeah. In the middle of the you, octagon. You got to get rid of the excess baggage. So uh, <laughs> I, I guess that's what she did. Yeah, it was a real shitty situation. <laughs> and she, <laughs> she got the shit choked out of her. But she didn't tap. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was, it was pretty impressive. Uh, her performance, you know, she showed a real toughness. And uh, Felice Herrig said that she knew Justine Kish had shit during that fight. And she kept going and took her back and just, like, you know, put her put her naughty parts, like, right in harm's way, put it right in the hazmat zone <laughs> to try and get that choke. So credit to Felice Herrig, too. Yeah. She was, <laughs> you know, she's risking all kinds of infections and you know, you don't want that. You don't want that getting into any any crevices or anything there. That could that could be a problem. So, uh, you know, hopefully both of these women are are uh, okay and nobody got sick over this. Uh, any thoughts on the controversial stoppage in the main event from the fight night in Oklahoma oh, City? Yes, yes. Uh, I totally forgot about that. But yeah, I think Mario Yamasaki he screwed up, man. Um, I understand he's only human. He may have maybe thought that um, that Kiesa went out. Uh, you know, I was watching Joe Rogan and Josh Barnett discuss this a little bit, and, you know, they agree. Maybe he thought that Kiesa had gone out already by the failing of the arm a little bit. But, you know, he's only human. Unfortunately, though, I'm not mad at him, but he messed up a really good main event that everybody was excited to watch. Um, yeah. But, you know... I guess all you can do is run it back, uh, give Kiesa a rematch, because I know he wants one. I think Lee would agree, um, which I would love to check out. But, uh, yeah, you know, he's human. Everybody makes mistakes. Yeah, for sure. And um, it, it's unfortunate that the the good referees don't get enough credit. You know, there are a couple of guys that fly under the radar that, that uh, nobody talks about, really. And – and uh, we'll we'll keep up with that by moving on. So <laughs> um, we got uh, we didn't have any MMA fights this past weekend, so that's why we didn't really do an episode on Sunday. We kind of put it off, uh, aside from some uh, technical difficulties. Um, but we got a packed weekend coming up. So Friday night we have the Ultimate Fighter season twenty five finale, and then Saturday night we have UFC two thirteen. So uh, hopefully everybody gets their relaxation out of the way and is ready for a full weekend of MMA again, because it doesn't get much more full than this. So I'll start with the ultimate fighter, uh, season 25 finale. And this is a lot different from the tough finales in the past, because usually the card is packed with, you know, men and women who fought during the season. This one is not, which I guess sends the message that, this really was the second and last chance. So if you didn't win on this season, the stakes were pretty high because you don't even get to fight in the finale. So we're going to find out tomorrow night if James Krause is going to fight Jesse Taylor because there's some, you know, there's some question marks surrounding that. He has like an eye infection or something like that. But the winner of that fight, so Jesse Taylor and whoever he fights, 
is going to face uh, Diego Lima in the final. I really enjoyed this season. I thought it was a little lackluster in terms of the drama. You know, these are all seasoned guys who have been in the UFC before, and a lot of them had been on tough before. So, you know, the, the ones who have done well on tough are usually not the party animals or the drama queens. I mean, there was the let me bang bro guy, but he seems to have grown up a little bit for the most part. You know, these are, these were veterans and they weren't causing a whole lot of drama. There was more drama between the coaches, uh, <laughs> who, uh, it's unfortunate that TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt aren't going to fight at the end of this thing. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah. So any, any thoughts on the season as a whole, Jeff? Yeah, I enjoyed the season, dude. Uh, it didn't do as well in the ratings as uh, I guess was projected, but dude, this was a really good season. I love the drama between TJ and Cody, and I loved you know the whole snake gag, like mm -hmm. like last week <laughs> they put um, TJ put a bunch of snakes into Cody Garbrandt's locker room, and Cody comes in and he's like, TJ, you're not allowed in here. And, uh, it was just great. Um, I loved it. Uh, like you said, it's a shame they're not going to fight at the end of the season because I really wanted it. But, um, yeah, I think this season has been uh, a season of redemption, especially for whoever ends up in the final. Now, personally, I want it to be Jesse Taylor versus Diego Lima because Diego Lima lost his original final, and Jesse Taylor made it to the final, but messed up i mean he was a little bit immature at the time and yeah. he went out to vegas partied a little too hard and dana white kicked him off the show so uh i feel like it would be the culmination of a redemption season for both of them if they fought each other in the final yeah for sure it was some of it was a little tough to watch like joe daddy stevenson uh you know after everything he's been through in his career and in his personal life and and everything like that um he really believed like he could have made a second run at this and and man he took a he took a beating on this season especially in his last fight so that was kind of tough to see because you know you see a guy who, who really turned his life around for the better and you know maybe it was just a little too late maybe he's a little too old um but that was that was that was a tough one he, he definitely had a compelling story uh, defeating alcoholism and, and everything like that. And, and, uh, you know, feeling guilty about not developing a relationship with his children and, uh, all that stuff. So, you know, overall an exciting season. I can't stress enough how surprised I was to see that they didn't have any of these guys back as good as all the fights were, mm. you know, Tom Galicchio looked, looked really great, uh, on this season. A couple of the other guys, there were some really good fights and, um, you know, they're sticking to this. This was the second chance, and if you don't get your redemption, then it's it's see you later. And the, the fight card is evident of that. So um, Michael Johnson is going to be taking on Justin Gaethje. So Justin Gaethje, 17-0, newcomer to the UFC. He is a fucking wild man. He was the champion in World Series of Fighting, and he walked away from basically a million-dollar payday to come to the UFC because he feels like this is the place he has to prove himself. Michael Johnson kind of has everything to lose here. He's coming off that loss to Khabib. And, you know, if this guy walks in off the street basically and beats him, 
that's going to hurt his ranking significantly. And Justin Gaethje, everything to gain here. But as we've seen, especially lately, these guys who come over from other organizations, even if they were top contenders or champions, even guys from Pride, who, you know, Pride arguably has some of the best fighters of all time. Uh, you know, if you look at the numbers of how they did in the UFC, it, it wasn't great. And then more recently, fighters like Marcin Held and Will Brooks came over. They were top contenders in other organizations and, you know, maybe one, one or two wins between the two of them out of six or seven fights. Um, so this is a really exciting matchup because Michael Johnson, when he came off the Ultimate Fighter, was basically just a wrestler. And he's developed some really quick hands, some really great boxing. Um, he's working down. He was with the Black Zillions, the now dissolved Black Zillions. And now I believe he's training with uh, world-famous kickboxer Henry Hooft. So, you know, he's developed some really great striking. We saw some glimpses of that in the Khabib fight where he, he rocked Khabib a couple of times um, before the fight went to the ground. And I, I think that's what that fight is going to be remembered for. Um, and Justin Gacy is just a wild man, uh, unlimited gas tank. And he just comes forward at, with ridiculous pressure. So this is, this is a really fun main event, um, uh, that I think is going to fly under the radar a little bit because a lot of people don't know who Justin Gacy is. And a lot of people, you know, recency effect tells us that Michael Johnson hasn't been doing so well lately. What do you think about this one, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, I think this main event is going to be a barn burner. Uh, I don't know too much about Justin Gaethje, but Michael Johnson, he always brings it, dude. Uh, he's fought some big names, too. He's fought Khabib. He's fought, uh, I believe, Nate Diaz, I want to say. Yep. Um, so, and, you know, he's got a couple wins in the UFC already. Knocked out uh, Dustin Poirier not too long ago. Good. Uh, I'm not a fan of Dustin Poirier, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, yeah. And Michael Johnson is also in the top five of the lightweights at the moment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is going to be a good fight, man. He's got a lot to prove and a lot to lose also. So yeah. this is going to be really interesting. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. This card's, this card is pretty well stacked. Otherwise, uh, I'll kind of. I'll kind of skim over it and you let me know what jumps out to you. So we got the co-main event or the co-main event's probably going to be the tough finale, but uh, one of the other top build fights is uh, Juliana Lima and Tisha Torres. And then we got uh, Jared Cannonier making his comeback after his loss to Glover Teixeira. He's taking on Steve Bosse. Elias Theodoru and Brad Tavares, I think is an awesome matchup. Uh, Gray Maynard, nobody cares about anymore. Uh, <laughs> Jessica I is, uh, is in there. Angela Hill is in there, uh, against two ladies I'm not familiar with. And then one of the sleeper fights on this card, I think is Ed Herman and CB Dalloway. So two more ultimate fighter alumni there who, you know, have been kind of hot and cold in their career, but when they're hot, they're, they're really hot. Uh, so I think that's a, that's actually a really interesting matchup there. It might be like a loser leaves town kind of deal. So, uh, out of all those fights, Jeff, w which one's jumping out at you there? Which one's kind of wet your appetite a little bit? I actually like a lot. I really like this lineup. A lot of good fights. But I think the one that sticks out the most to me is Tavares versus Theodoru. Yeah. I think that fight's going to be awesome. And Jessica I, she always moves forward. Uh, she's a really good striker. So, I'm excited for that one, too. 
Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of fun fights. I agree with you on the uh the Theodoru and Tavares fight because these are two guys um you know, they always bring it. We saw in Theodoro's last fight, he had some excellent jiu-jitsu defense. Um so that that'll be a fun one. Um I don't know why Gray Maynard's in the middle of this card here. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> I, like, uh I I can't think of the last time he's he's been competitive and then the that his last fight i think against was was uh ryan hall where ryan hall just kind of you know butt scooting around and and gray maynard was like totally depleted because he dropped down to 145 even though he was too big for 155 so it's just like it's just basically like an overall mess but uh, anything else on this card? Or you want to move on to the uh, the pay per view here? Yeah, I think we can move on to UFC two thirteen here. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so UFC two thirteen is going to be at the T Mobile Arena in Las Vegas on July eighth, and the headliner, which uh, hasn't gotten nearly enough marketing attention, Amanda Nunez and Valentina Shevchenko. This is a rematch, so they fought, I believe, a little over a year ago, and. Amanda Nunez won a decision. She won the first two rounds of the fight, but I think the important detail, a lot of people may not remember, Valentina Shevchenko looked fresh in the third round of this fight, and Nunez not knowing for having the biggest gas tank. She's really fierce right out of the gate. I mean, we saw what she did to Ronda Rousey. We saw what she did to Misha Tate. Just ferocious in the first couple of rounds. Um, but, you know, she's she's a big bantamweight um, so she tends to gas out a little bit and even her own teammates have said, you know, if it gets out of the second round and they say this time after time, if it gets out of the second round, uh, you know, I don't know. So Valentina Shevchenko winning, winning the third round handily in their last fight. And, you know, the, the key variable here is that this is going to be a five round title fight. So I would have to think that if Amanda Nunez can't get it done early, that this matchup would have to favor Valentina Shevchenko, who is not known for getting finished. And we've even seen some nice jujitsu out of her in her last fight, uh, tapping out Juliana Pena, who is known for her jujitsu. So uh, <clears throat> I, I feel like both of these women have way more momentum going into this fight than they did the last time. They definitely have more eyes on them, although I would argue they don't have nearly enough eyes on them i think this matchup should be getting a lot more attention but you know there's not a whole lot of drama around it and we know that's what uh that's what generates a lot of press and that's what the ufc is going to push but what do you what are your thoughts on this uh, main event here jeff yeah bill this main event is going to be awesome and i agree with you 100 percent. i really don't think it's getting the attention it deserves because the first time they fought and I think if you go back and watch that fight, you'll probably agree. I think that if it went two more rounds, I think we'd be talking about a win for Shevchenko. Mm -hmm. And like you said, she's got the jujitsu ground game. She tapped out uh, Juliana Pena, who herself is a very good jujitsu uh, fighter. And something that uh, I think people kind of don't, take into account is how strong Shevchenko is, dude. Uh, mm -hmm. I was watching some of her highlights, and she's fucking strong, bro. She has taken down bigger chicks like Holly Holm, 
uh, and been able to like really grind it out on top of him. And I know Nunez is a big, is clearly the bigger fighter here. She's huge for 135, I think. Um, mm -hmm. But Shevchenko's strong, man, and I think she is better on the ground than Nunez. Um, she might be. Uh, you know, Amanda Nunez. Uh, you know, she's Brazilian, so she's. She was born doing jujitsu, probably. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. This is a really interesting, this is a really interesting fight, and uh, I'm really looking forward to. It. I'm really looking forward to the co-main event too, which is uh, another interim title fight. Uh, since Michael Bisping has had some injuries and and surgeries, and he's trying to fight welterweights, uh, so he hasn't been active enough to defend his title. Um, there's going to be an interim title fight between Robert Whitaker. And Yoel Romero, and I love Robert Whitaker's attitude going into this because obviously there's a lot of talk floating around about Yoel Romero being on steroids since he's almost 40 years old and he's built like a brick shit house. Uh, but Robert Whitaker responds to that by saying, "I don't care. He can take whatever he wants, and I'm still gonna kick his ass," which is is an amazing attitude, especially you know in a day and age where we're seeing fighters. Uh, refuse to fight people such as the women's featherweight champion or former champion Jermaine Durandame, who was stripped of her title for refusing to fight Cyborg uh, because she failed a drug test once upon a time, which, you know, if, if somebody's cleared to fight and they're going to pass the out of competition test leading up to the fight it, and you're the champion, you got to fight them. And especially when there's no other contenders in the division. So Robert Whitaker with an awesome attitude. Uh, this is a tough matchup though for, for both guys. Um, you know, both guys, definitely you could make an argument for either one of them deserving the title shot, but you know, Yoel Romero, explosive power, really strong wrestler and Robert Whitaker, amazing takedown defense and really quick hands. And he can hurt people while he's backing up. Uh, so awesome counter striker. What are your thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, this is looking like an awesome fight. I love Robert Whitaker lately, and I think he can keep up with your Romero. I mean, I know Romero is an Olympic wrestler and everything, but this is a guy who was able to get out from under Jakari Swoza and, you know, was really able to keep up with Jakari on the ground. So I feel like if he keeps working on that, he'll be set for this fight. And as for Yoel Romero, he's a scary dude, man. I mean, he's athletic as hell. His wrestling is top-notch. This is going to be an awesome fight. Yeah, I think the thing that's important to remember about Yoel Romero, and a lot of people don't realize this, because if you just watch his highlight reels, you think that this guy just explodes out of the gate. He kind of lulls people into a false sense of security. And he was the same way when he was a wrestler. He would basically let his opponent come at him and come at him and get up on the scorecard. And then towards the end of the match, and he does this in MMA too, towards the end of the fight, he'll explode out of nowhere when he senses that you're getting a little bit tired or he starts picking up on some of your tendencies. Uh, so like with Chris Weidman, when Weidman went to grab the wrong leg on the single leg and he just exploded out of nowhere with that knee. Granted, he uses some kind of unethical tactics to conserve energy, such as, you know, trying to get some extra time on his stool to get a few extra breaths. Um, so Robert Whitaker is going to have to be really conscious about his pacing here. You know, if he goes after Yoel Romero and 
and tries to empty his gas tank. This is gonna. This is a long fight. This will be a five round fight because it's a title fight. And uh, you would think that Whitaker would be in better condition, but I think as the fight goes on, it's gonna favor Yoel Romero. If you go back and look at his fights, especially his finishes, a lot of his finishes come like in the third round. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know how he'll look going the distance in a five round fight. But I think in that third or fourth round, if the fight were to end there, I would favor Romero. If it ends in the first or second, I would think it would be a TKO or a knockout by Whitaker. And I think I may also favor Whitaker if it goes the distance. So that's kind of my prediction there. If the fight goes on to a certain point, I think Romero can finish it in the third or fourth. And sandwiched around that, I would predict uh, Whitaker. So I don't know. Any, any other thoughts? Uh, with that uh, added bit of information, Jeff? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head here, Bill. Um, I think that a longer fight probably favors Whitaker. Uh, so does a shorter one. And then if it's in between, I think Romero can crank it up to 11 and probably finish uh, Whitaker here. But either way, man, it's going to be an awesome fight. Yeah, and a lot of other awesome fights here too. So we got uh, the trilogy fight between Fabricio Redoom and Alistair Overeem. So we got to see, you know, who is gonna who's gonna take this rivalry home with this one? They're one and one with each other. Then we have Anthony Pettis going back up to 155 to take on, you know, perennial tough guy Jim Miller. And we got Travis Brown on this card too, flying under the radar against uh, Alexi Olenek. Uh Travis Brown been training with Josh Barnett a little bit lately, which uh I feel like not too many people had known about until Josh Barnett was recently on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast and talked about how they've been training together a little bit, even though they had fought each other. But it seems like Josh Barnett is uh, is getting into training guys a little bit more, especially since he's in limbo with some uh, USADA drama. So out of those three, Jeff, the Verdum Overeem trilogy, the Pettis Miller matchup, and uh, Brown Olenek, uh, which one of these are you looking forward to the most? Uh, this is actually a tie, Bill. It's a tie between Verdum versus uh, Overeem and Pettis versus Miller. I think those are going to be really exciting fights. Um, you know, Verdum and Overeem, they're both solid stand-up guys. I don't think that one's going to the ground unless uh, Verdum takes it there. Uh, but I don't know if he'll want to. I think he's got enough confidence in his striking, especially after what he did to Cain Velasquez, to keep it standing. Um, and as for Pettis versus Miller, I don't know. It could go either way, man. It could end up on the ground, uh, which I think is where it would benefit Miller because Pettis, you know, he strikes out of nowhere. He's got these flashy, crazy kicks. So I think for him, the key to victory is to go to the ground as soon as possible and just grind out Pettis. Yeah, that might be the strategy. Of course, Pettis known for his submissions off his back, or he was known for that once upon a time. He's kind of backed into a corner right now because he had a rough go. I think three losses in a row at lightweight. He had to move down to featherweight. He looked awesome uh, in his in his uh, featherweight debut, but then couldn't make weight for the championship fight, interim championship mm -hmm. fight with Max Holloway, and just got his ass whipped in that fight. So now he had to go back up to lightweight and you know you're talking about a guy in anthony pettis who for a while was the face of the company i mean he was on the wheaties box he was the champion they they were show replay after replay of his 
jump off the cage, kick in the face on Benson Henderson. And, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of faded into obscurity a little bit. So known for his submissions off his back, but Jim Miller, uh, you know, good luck submitting Jim Miller off your back, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, high, high, high level grappler. Um, that's going to be an awesome one. Uh, Travis Brown fight, I think will be interesting. Uh, I think Olenek will stand with him and, you know, we'll see if, if we can get any glimpses of the old Travis Brown, the, uh, the pre uh, Edmund Tarvidian Travis Brown, <laughs> um, which uh, I think we've all been hoping to see. And it's, it's tough to kind of blame a coach uh, for anything because uh, Chael Sonnen made the point like, well, do you credit the coach when a guy does well? And I guess, you know, most people don't, but um, you know, there's something going on there. I don't know if it was necessarily Edmund's fault or if it was just, you know, a, a bad matchup for Travis Brown in that gym. But uh, hopefully we see some glimpses of the old Travis Brown. And we got uh, Gerald Mearshart on this card, who I'm, I'm excited to see again. This guy, I've been talking about him for a while on the podcast. He's got some impressive, his last two fights in the UFC finishes, uh, you know, first round submissions. Uh, he's really exciting. He comes out of that Duke Rufus camp. So uh, it'll benefit him to have you know, his, his teammate, Anthony Pettis, uh, fighting on his card. So keep an eye on Gerald Mearshart. He's, he's fighting a tough guy in Tiago Santos, but, um, you know, Mearshart is one to keep an eye on that, that I felt that way for a while. And then we got, uh, Bilal Muhammad and Jordan mean, and, huh, let's see. I'm seeing if anything else jumps out on this. I'm looking for my sleeper pick, but I'm going to go with Mearshart and Santos for my for my sleeper pick on this one. So uh, anything else on this card jumping out to you, Jeff? Uh, I am Now that you mention it uh, about Mearshart, um, I looked him up, and, uh, yeah, he's got some, some good finishes. He's got two straight submission finishes in the first round, it seems. Mm -hmm. And, you know, coming out of that Duke Rufus camp, I'm sure he's got really good striking. So – this is going to be a fun one to watch. And he's fighting Tiago Santos. He's got Thor's hammer on his chest tattooed. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Yeah, good times. All right, yeah, so real exciting weekend. Lots of lots of uh, MMA action coming up. So uh, I hope everybody was able to rest up with this holiday weekend and, um, you know, kind of take it easy and is ready for for some for some. Uh, violence and action so uh i know everybody is probably sipping on some some beers today because that's the thing to do on fourth of july i'm probably going to be doing so myself a little bit later in the day it's still a little bit early but i'm kicking off the day with uh some old granddad high rye mash bonded kentucky straight bourbon whiskey and it's 100 proof so when you see bonded on a bottle i'll give you a little history lesson here the uh Bottled in Bond Act was created to ensure the integrity of bourbon. So when it says bonded on the bottle, that means it has to come from one distillery, from one single distiller. It has to be aged for a minimum of four years, which is how, for those watching on YouTube, I'm holding the bottle up. It's how you get this awesome caramel color that you like to see out of a bourbon from uh, being aged in those barrels. So four years, I feel like, is a is a nice sweet spot to be aged, and it has to be bottled at 100 proof. So this is a, a strong bourbon, but it's, it's real smooth, and you really get a 
a bang for your buck because you could pick up a bottle of this old granddad for probably around 25 bucks. Um, so it's one of the better bourbon bargains for a little bit of uh, alliteration on the show for you. Um, but yeah, it's got, um, it's got some vanilla flavor to it on the back end. Uh, it's a, it's got a little bit of burn. It, I mean, it is a hundred proof. Uh, I enjoy this one with just a, a few splashes of water in it. Uh, as most of you know, that's how I enjoy my bourbon, but I, I wouldn't go mixing this with too many things because it's so good on its own. You know, if you want to, if you want to mix bourbon with something, you go get a big handle of uh, Jim Beam or something like that. But old granddad, uh, make sure you get the uh, the bonded hundred proof. Um, they they make a couple of other versions, but yeah, this is how I'm kicking off my Fourth of July. So there's nothing more America than bourbon because it's made in America. So old granddad, go pick some up. Jeff, you've been. Uh, I know you're taking a little break. From from the old uh, alcohol after <laughs> after you uh, <laughs> after you went astray a couple of episodes ago <laughs> from your your Jello shots and and whatever else you're getting into, but uh, ha- have you uh, recovered and bounced back? Have you been trying anything lately? Or are you still pumping the brakes a little bit? Uh, yeah, I'm slowing down a little bit, Bill. But um, uh, the last time I was drinking was last Wednesday. And uh, Bar One, which I frequent a little bit uh, here in New Jersey, they have dollar beers. Yeah. So uh, for like five bucks, yeah. So I was just drinking Miller Lite, uh, which I'm pretty sure is American. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You know, Fourth of July weekend, some Miller Lights, can't go wrong. No. No, that sounds pretty refreshing, actually. I'm going to go – I'm going to be heading outside and going down to the beach in a little bit. Some Miller lights might hit the spot. Um, you know, I've been, I've been trying to stay away from the beers a little bit, but you know, it's like trying to, it's trying to keep Romeo and Juliet apart. <laughs> Beer and I, uh, we, we always find our way back to each other, but yeah. So as always, guys, let me know if you're drinking anything interesting out there. Um, I just released a new YouTube video last week. It's a smoked tequila recipe. It's a twist on an old-fashioned using tequila, old-fashioned traditional whiskey cocktail. I use tequila in this one, and use a, I show you how to do a smoked glass the poor man's way. Uh, and I, I use a, a really nice silver tequila that I found by accident. So you could check that out on YouTube. The video is called Agua Vida, and I see Jeff nodding. That means I got the pronunciation correct, so I'm real proud of myself. Jeff's been helping me with my Spanish a little bit. (laughs) 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 But, uh, yeah, go check that out, and let us know what you guys uh, are getting into this 4th of July. I hope everybody has a fun time. Hope everybody's safe out there. Enjoy the beach. Enjoy the barbecues. Enjoy the beer. All of the above. We know Chris Christie's going to be enjoying the beach all to himself <laughs> this weekend. Uh, Jeff, any closing thoughts, my friend? I mean, I got nothing for you, Bill. Have a happy Fourth of July, everybody, uh, and good night. Yeah, well, or good afternoon. But <laughs> <laughs> if you uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can get Jeff at Animal underscore Wilson. On Twitter, he always likes getting into a good uh, MMA debate. And you guys all know how to find me by now. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, 
you know, iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, uh, all over the place. MMA on the Rocks. Search for it, and uh, you can get a hold of me real easy. I'm not hard to find. And let us know what you guys are drinking. I always, and if you try any of the um, recipes or you try any drinks that we recommend on the show, please take some pictures and share them with us. We always like seeing that stuff. And other than that, I think that's all we got. So cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>